Welcome to SkyTel Insights, the go-to podcast for owners of multi-location dental practices or med spas. Every episode, we offer dental and aesthetics industry leaders business, financial, operational, and M&A strategy. Are you a DSO, MSO, or med spa owner with an appetite for growth? Tune in for tactics to start, scale, and sell your organization. Here are your hosts, members of the team at SkyTel Group. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of SkyTel Insights. My name is James Turka, and I'll be your moderator today as we dive into the world of data and how to become a data-driven DSO. With me today, I've got a recurring guest, it seems like, and a couple new guests. The first being Eric Paston and our new guests being Greg Mahoney and David Wilson. So before we hop right into it, would love just a brief background of Greg and David. And we'll kind of start with Greg first, if you want to give us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me on, James. I really appreciate it. So I joined Skytail one year ago in December of 2021, but my career originally started in finance and accounting as an analyst, a finance manager, and a controller before joining the dental industry on the manufacturing side, working as an analyst and then as a product manager and the sale of those products globally. But I have always been around dentistry. My father is a dentist and he asked me to come and join his practice and help it grow. And with that opportunity to work in the family business that I figured I wouldn't ever have unless I had become a dentist, I went to work with him. And through a lot of hard work and dedication, And, you know, a lot of late nights sitting on the couch kind of talking about what our next strategy was going to be, we ended up working on growing that practice from a million dollars a year to $7 million a year over approximately 30 months. It was a big transformation for the practice. And as we moved on from there, we sold a large TMJ and sleep breathing section of the practice to one of the associates in the practice, and then focused on finding a transition plan for the general dentistry portion. And so we went to market, sold to a DSO out of Chicago, and then later I joined them to help build infrastructure, to help them build all the support systems from finance and accounting, marketing, IT, and field operations to help grow from 66 locations to over 115. And so after a short stint with a smaller DSO based in Colorado, I joined the SkyTail team and haven't looked back since. Great. And we're happy to have you. Thank you that much. David, you know, want to give a, a little bit of a background about yourself? Yeah, sure, James. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I started with SkyTail back in April of 2022, so a little shorter period of time compared with Greg, but it's been a fantastic experience. Prior to that, in April, I have been operating in the healthcare field for over 30 years. I'm dating myself, but I've (laughs) operated in the acute care, the senior housing, and the dental spaces, and I've held executive C-suite and board positions, both in publicly traded and private equity-backed companies. I came into the dental space through private equity, where they brought me in to help them with an asset that they had, which was the large DSO, to come in and get that company performing at a higher level than it was performing when I came in. Great. Thank you both for the background. And we'll just dive right in here. So a lot of the DSO world is around data and what can you do with the data that you have? And so, you know, when we look across the country, trying to understand what a data-driven DSO looks like, what does that mean, you know, to you, Eric, I'll start with, 
to be data driven and run your organization in that manner. Yeah. Excited to be on again. Thanks, James. In relation to your question about data, I think there's a couple of key points that any organization needs to make sure they focus on as it comes to data. You know, at the top, I think one of the driving factors in is what's the quality of data that we're putting into the system. You know, I think you hear some colorful words being thrown around there with the type of data you put in is the type of data you get out. So I think at the top is to make sure that the types of roles and everyone understands their roles within the organization and the need to input the data the right way at the beginning. And when you do have that fundamentally set up within your organization, you can start to look at that data in different ways in order to understand what everything means big picture. And I think one of the most important tools in order to be a data-driven organization is the practice management system that you run. So to make sure that you have a system set up, both to be able to take that data and give us the information we need, but also that can look at the entire organization. So something either the system that we use or an overlay to that system that will allow us to compare and contrast results coming out of different offices. The need for data is such that we also have to be disciplined that we can simplify it to a point where we all can understand it. So we have to look beyond the miles of data that we have so that we can identify the KPIs that truly move our organization. And that's the data that we need to identify to make sure that it's actionable and can help us target what those levers are that we need to pull in order to change or focus on specific parts of our organization. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, coming from the analyst mindset on on my end, you know, we take a lot of that and there's not, you know, one way to do it, right? You can chop up in so many different ways and look at it in different views to where, you know, I think a lot of what we do on a day-to-day basis is different amongst each of the clients that we work with. So, you know, it's a great point that you had. And so, you know, Greg would love your thoughts and where your background comes from, a little bit of a technology-driven background. What does it mean to you from a data perspective and how did you utilize it in your day-to-day? I looked at it as our organization needs to be driven from the actual data, what we're seeing, that we can't be making decisions on our direction just from gut feel or this seems right. That if we were faced with a particular business problem, then we were looking for any data at our disposal in order to put together a reason so that if we were ever asked about why was this decision made, We could go back directly to the numbers, and it was quite binary. But if it was somewhat gray, like, "Ah, well, we're close here, or, you know, this is slightly above break even, but I think that here are the reasons why we pursue this, then we have that information in order to back it up. But then also to refer to that in future situations, like, well, what did we do when we faced a similar issue previously? Well, then we go back to the tape, and we're looking at it. And so what we found is that, well, in many cases, as Eric kind of referred to, is you can't rely on the patient management system all the time. That in some cases, you need to depend on an overlay system. And there are areas where that overlay, depending on your trajectory with the number of locations that you have and what your growth strategy is, the overlay might be the right intermediate solution or end goal piece that you keep along the way. But if you are looking at growing substantially to 30, 40, 50 locations, something like that, then bringing these items in-house and having your own data warehouse and 
looking at those pieces really helps kind of push us further. What we find is healthcare, dentistry, other areas, and we're following some of the examples of the early big data pieces. Grocery stores were the first users of big data. And it's hard to imagine now, but you know, like you have little grocery store like codes that you scan when you go to the piece, they're tracking all of the sales. Well, we need to be able to do that in healthcare and insurance-based products, whether it's in hospital systems or in dental, we're doing that now. But it's that data that really informs our directions. And without that, we're really blind. Yeah, completely agree. And, you know, it's funny, we're talking at such a high level here of just there's so much data out there to look at when you start to dig in. And so I'm curious, David, you know, I'll go to you first here. When we start thinking about KPIs that are actually important to the organization, what kind of drives the growth of the organization? In your mind, what did you kind of look at? You know, any type of insight there would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think first, James, what I'd like to do is go back to your first question. What does it mean to be a data-driven DSO? You've heard from Eric and Greg. I do want to share a couple of additional thoughts. First and foremost, what it means is that I think you're a proactive organization because your leadership has taken an interest in what moves performance, and they know how to use that data to help their employees be successful at what they do. What that also means, what being a data-driven DSO means, is you're creating, leadership's creating a culture of excellence around what the data is saying and that everyone is all in all the time and always looking to improve performance and more accurately predict and forecast performance. And what that means at the end of the day is that a data-driven organization should improve outcomes on all the fronts that it's measuring and have a higher likelihood of success when navigating different types of headwinds over time. To answer your question more specifically, what are you measuring? Now, throughout my career, I've always told others, you can't manage what you don't measure. And so you really want to be measuring what's around the fundamentals of your business. And in healthcare, that's what I've called the four C's over time. Customer care, cost, and cash, or the four corners of the page. I think Eric mentioned this earlier, you want to keep it simple. You need to keep the data simple so that the entire organization can get their head around it and everybody can be moving in the right direction. If you create simple dashboards, that they can be at different levels of the organization, but whether they're at the C-suite level or where revenue is being produced, they need to be simple dashboards that at a glance, you can quickly look at it and see specifically what actions need to be taken and how quickly they need to be taken. Yeah, great stuff. And so, Eric, you know, to add on to that, you know, I think you've lived it right from the front desk to, you know, a C-suite type position. As you grew, I guess, within the organization, how much did, you know, what you tracked matter to you as you kind of move through those levels and understanding what moves the needle at certain levels? Yeah, I think everyone's kind of touched on the importance of data. They have to function as the headlights for the organization to look to see what's coming down the road. Without it, it really is like driving in the dark. And I think Greg had kind of referenced that before as well, in the sense that we need to be able to make decisions and understand what we need to do in order to be successful at the end of the day. My past have looked at specific ones that I fell in love with as truly leading success indicators. One of them for me was what I like to reinforce with our clients is butts and seats, I call it. Literally, how many people do we need to see in this office every day in order to ensure success? You know, the activity is there, both what we like to call front of the house and back of the house. You know, we've done our 
due diligence from a KPI level of understanding the absolute values that each of these patients represent when they come into our offices. So then it's about how do we fill up that schedule in that day to make sure that we're going to be successful from a revenue standpoint, right? And, you know, everything gets better with more revenue coming in. I think that's one of our famous sayings as well. So it is really about drilling down into those specific KPIs that are indicators for what our success will look like, and then extrapolate them on a higher level to look at, hey, what do we need to do for the month? What do we need to do for the year? Sometimes it's worthwhile looking at the forest and not the trees. But in this case, it is those individual trees and those individual KPIs that we do want to focus on to really let our teams know what it's going to take to be successful in the roles that they're in. You know, at the end of the day, operations, finance, whatever you're talking about from inside the four walls of our office, what's going to dictate success is our people understanding what they need to do in order to create success in their role for the organization. And those are what those KPIs are intended to do. It's funny. I think we've gotten half of our client base to say butts and seats at some point in our engagement with them. So I definitely the job think here is with- done. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) it's been fun to kind of get people on that train. And we talk about the KPIs and, you know, what do we track? But when we talk about systems in place, how can we go about creating an organization that has those systems and put something in place to where we can grow with that system? And so, you know, Greg, any thoughts on that piece? And from a systems perspective, how can someone think about setting up their organization or other things to kind of think through there? Yeah, there's a lot of inf- data collection infrastructure that needs to be put in place. As you mentioned before, you need to select whether you're going to be collecting that in a warehouse or you're going to use an overlay vendor in order to collect those things. But even backing up further than that, we're looking at having the executive team all on the same page of how they're going to be proactive, as David mentioned, as Eric had reinforced, about solving problems and looking ahead using data. And how you do that is by finding those particular APIs that really focus on driving improvements over time that are looking forwards. Obviously, we're going to have things that look backwards. That's what accounting is about. That's why we have analysts on our teams. But we're also going to use that talent in order to look forward. And so we want to look at systems that help draw us towards our goals And so I'm looking at those right now in terms of revenue cycle management, in case acceptance, in boosting the average value per patient. And so we need to have the field operations adjusting to what these major goals are for the organization. For instance, we're using this information to look at collection waterfall information over time and how that relates to the cash that's coming in the door. We know that our production is high, but our collection rate is dropping month after month after month. And so we're actually able to use data to see, okay, well, why is this the case? Is it that insurance companies are taking longer to pay? And it might be if you look at service date versus when we cashed the check or collected that EFT. But when you look further at, well, the service date was on the 1st, but we didn't submit the claim to the clearinghouse until the 13th. Well, what happened? You know, like it wasn't really that we had the insurance company's fault. This was us internally. And so we needed to use that data. So being proactive and looking, say, okay, well, on the service, it looks like we have this big time gap. 
But in reality, there are things that we can control ourselves. And so you're looking to the management team to say, look, data shows us this, and now we know how to move forwards. The same thing happens with case acceptance and setting goals around using the information to establish where we are now, what percentage of cases are accepted, and then what goals we want to have and celebrate those things as we go. Use data to gather the team around you and celebrate those big wins. Yeah, and I think it translates kind of nicely to David here. And, you know, in your role, David, coming in as CEO of these larger groups here, and when you kind of took an overlay of the land, how did you kind of look at systems in place and what did you kind of view as necessity? Yeah, you know, it's always fun to follow Greg because Greg has so much detail about (laughs) every little thing. I'm glad I've operated at a higher level because I certainly couldn't compete with him on the detail level. No, everything that Greg touched on is absolutely essential when you're looking at it. I've always taken you know, a much broader look at the landscape to see what was going on in an organization when I came in. And typically what I found that the systems that were in place measuring data were clunky, they weren't timely, they were difficult to integrate and so forth. And so really my approach has always been, and I really think this is an important point, and I think I've touched on it before, is you need to keep things simple. And so typically what I've done when I've come in and looked at a situation is I've tried to simplify it. I've tried to take the noise out of it because ultimately companies, as they move through time, have a tendency to go down the rabbit holes and collect more and more information. As soon as a problem is identified, like Greg said, well, what's wrong with it? We got to fix it. And so we start going down these rabbit holes and everybody wants more information. And what I've always tried to do is keep it simple keep the focus on the data simple, like I mentioned before, the four corners of the page, and communicate that throughout the entire organization so that everybody's operating on the same page. And behind that is to integrate the systems so that everybody, whether again, you're C-suite or you're a revenue producer, you have that information at your fingertips and it's timely and it's accurate so that you know exactly where you stand and what you need to do. You know if you have a patient volume problem or you know if you have a revenue per patient visit problem where you're not, as again, Greg said before, you're not doing the treatment that necessarily should be or could be done on the patient when they're there. So again, I always step back and take a look at it on a broader basis and really try to put the systems in place that are simple and absolutely focused on the fundamentals, the key success factors, the fundamentals of that business. Yeah, I love the word simplicity. You know, I think we get into working with clients and I think as we start to simplify things for them, their shoulders start to come down and they realize that there's a pathway to doing a lot of these things because we're just looking at it in a very simple manner. So I thought that was fantastic. I want to thank these guys for coming on. I know we're wrapping up here. It's always fun having recurring guests and Eric and a couple new faces and Greg and David. So Appreciate the insights from all of you. And we're looking forward to bringing some new episodes to you here over the next few weeks. Thanks for listening. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out and we're happy to talk. And have a good rest of your day, everyone. Thanks for having me, James. Thanks for listening to Skytel Insights. If you like the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. And if you really like the podcast, visit SkytelGroup.com. That's where you can connect with us directly and learn more about our consulting and M&A services at Skytel Group. We'd love to hear more about your dental or aesthetic organization and how we can help you take it to the next level. 
Thanks for tuning in.